Last time on Banksy's enormous record collection, we talked about the replacements and their 1984 album, Let It Be. This time, we're going to talk about the other important band out of Minneapolis, one of my favorites, Husker Du. Specifically, we're going to talk about an album they released in 1984, three months earlier than the replacements released Let It Be. The name of the album is Zen Arcade, a sprawling double album, a concept record that still stands as one of the greatest albums of the 1980s. It's also considered to be one of the greatest albums ever recorded. And if you were going to build a Mount Rushmore of the all-time great American punk records, Zen Arcade by Husker Du better be on there or we're going to have some serious problems. It's today's pick on Banksy's enormous record collection on Banksy's musical podcast. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Canna Provisions. Canna Provisions is an adult-use cannabis dispensary with the largest selection of cannabis products in Western Mass with locations in both Holyoke and in Lee. They offer a unique shopping experience with guides rather than bud tenders. In fact, they're not just a dispensary. They're a destination. Visit CannaProvisions.com. CannaProvisions.com. Adults 21, and please consume responsibly. And now, it's time for Baxi's Musical Podcast. Baxi's Musical Podcast. In July of 1984, I was a freshman in college at Marquette University in Milwaukee, attending a special program for kids who did not necessarily meet the necessary academic requirements for normal admission. Now, I had grown up in a small town 45 minutes south of Boston, a sheltered little place of less than 9,000 people. I knew of only one kid in high school that owned an Iggy Pop album, never mind anything else. That's it. One kid. My hometown was a barren wasteland musically, a great place to grow up. But if you wanted to hear music that might have been out of the mainstream, then you had to go out of town. In my case, it was 1,000 miles out of town. But it was during this summer that I heard Husker Du's Zen Arcade for the very first time. The entry point was the opening track called Something I Learned Today. And what I learned that day was that there was a whole universe of music that I had never heard before. And I liked it a lot. It was both exhilarating and it was addictive to the point where I didn't just want to have that record. I needed to have all of them. Oddly enough, Zen Arcade by Husker Du was a concept record about a kid who runs away from his abusive home, joins the military, finds religion, and then suddenly realizes that the outside world isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Although I didn't come from an abusive home, I did go a thousand miles away from my hometown to a Jesuit college, discovered a renewed passion for music, only to realize that the same records were being sold in a record store about 15 minutes away from my parents' house. Ironic? Maybe a little bit. But I didn't care. Zen Arcade was a gateway record for me back in the 80s, opening the door to a lifetime of diverse musical interests. And it's still one of my favorites many years later. But there's also a story behind this record and about the band that made it. Husker Du were formed in 1979 with the guitarist Bob Mould attending McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. Not far from the campus was a record store called Cheapo Records. It was here where Bob Mould met newly hired cashier Grant Hart, a drummer who sang and wrote his own songs. Grant Hart got the job over bass player Greg Norton, but Norton would be hired at the store several weeks later. Together, they decided to form a band with Bob Mould and added keyboard player Charlie Pine. 
The earliest incarnation of the band was called Buddy and the Returnables. And while they did play a few gigs as a four-piece, playing nothing but covers, the band eventually outgrew the need for a keyboard player and for cover songs. In fact, the band started practicing without Charlie Pine and working on original material instead. And as the story goes, they would break into originals on stage without Charlie Pine's prior knowledge. That's when Charlie realized, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't working out. And so Charlie Pine was fired in March of 1979. So now the band was a trio and was far more interested in writing and playing their own songs than playing stuff that wasn't theirs. While both Grant Hart and Bob Mould were busy improving their songwriting skills, the band realized that perhaps it was time to retire the name Buddy and the Returnables and chose something else instead. They picked the name Husker Du after the 1970s-era board game, which loosely translated in both Dutch and Norwegian means, do you remember? Was it clever? Sure. Why not? Either way, they kept the name. One year later, they landed their first significant gig playing at the famous Jay's Roadhouse Bar in Minneapolis. Throughout 1980, Husker Du would play regularly around the city and eventually caught the attention of Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys and the guys from Black Flag, two hardcore bands from the West Coast that had been steadily building a national following. Both the Dead Kennedys and Black Flag took an active role in exposing their own fans to this great new band from Minneapolis, a band with two singers, two songwriters, and a shitload of potential. But I'll get back to that in a moment. In January of 1981, after securing a loan from Grant's parents, Husker Du released their first single on Reflex Records. The A-side was a song written by Grant Hart called Statues. The B-side was called Amusements, written by Bob Mould. The single was the beginning of Husker Du moving away from being just merely another punk band. This was clearly an effort to move Husker Du into a more diverse direction. In January of 1982, Husker Du released their first full-length record, recorded live at the 7th Street entry in Minneapolis called Land Speed Record. It was a bracing, noisy performance that really sounded nothing like the band were about to become. The real problem with the record was that the band simply lacked the funding to release it on their own. That's when they were approached by Mike Watt of the band The Minutemen, who offered to release it on his own record label, Alliance Records. The album was a critical success, but of course, Alliance was a small label that was limited. The following January, the band released their first studio record, Everything Falls Apart on Reflex Records, who had released their first single. Again, lots of praise, not much distribution. But in 1983, after spending the last few years being supportive of Husker Du, Black Flag's Greg Ginn signed Husker Du to his own record label, SST Records, making Husker Du the first band from outside California to join the SST lineup, a lineup that would go on to include bands like Dinosaur Jr., The Minutemen, The Meat Puppets, Bad Brains, The Descendants, Sonic Youth, Soundgarden, and many others. This was a big step forward for Husker Du, as they were now being supported by one of the most important independent record labels in America. Their first release for SST Records came several months later with the EP called Metal Circus. It was here when the band began developing and really settling into a pocket with mature, dynamic-sounding songs that were very well-written. It was still very aggressive, but Bob Mould and Grant Hart were clearly starting to add significant melodic touches to their songs, like Diane and It's Not Funny Anymore. Metal Circus was a major step forward, and Husker Du were just steps away from becoming a big player in underground hardcore. But in many ways, it's kind of hard to refer to Husker Du as just another hardcore band, because despite the aggressive tone of their performances, 
Husker Du were almost post-hardcore. Heart and Mold, while writing separately, were fastly becoming the two best songwriters in the entire punk genre. And college radio stations around the country were beginning to take notice of what was coming out of Minneapolis. Finally, in 1984, Husker Du released what would become arguably their best album in Zen Arcade. But rather than revisit old hardcore stereotypes, Husker Du decided to do something much more than that. Husker Du wanted to produce an album that would obliterate the rigid confines of what was starting to define hardcore at the time. In an interview in 1983, Bob Moult stated, quote, We're going to try to do something that's bigger than anything, like rock and roll and the whole puny band idea. I'm not sure what it's going to be. We're going to work that out. But, of course, to do all that, you need a budget. And for Husker Du, the budget was exactly $3,200. With that money, Husker Du would whip out a double album that included 25 songs. 23 of them were all recorded in one take, including all 14 minutes of the album's final track, Reoccurring Dreams. The entire record was recorded in a single 40-hour session, and only the Bob Mould song, Something I Learned Today and Newest Industry, needed to be recorded twice. The album was mixed in a completely separate 40-hour session, meaning that the entire project was completed in just under 85 hours. That's how you keep your cost down to just $3,200, by limiting your cost to just $37.63 per hour. But what you had at the end of that 85-hour-long session was some of the band's greatest songs, performed with a sort of spontaneity and passion that you might get in a live performance. Some of those included songs like Chartered Trips, Pink Turns to Blue, Never Talking to You Again, Broken Home, Broken Heart, again, all following a common narrative as punk's greatest musical concept record. The story details abuse, drug overdose, violence, running away from home, religion, and death. Pretty heavy stuff. The album was also marked by the growing tensions between the two principal songwriters. It would be the sort of tension that would eventually lead to the band's eventual demise. But for the time being, both Mold and Hart would use that tension as a way of competing against each other to write better songs. But part of that was becoming personal, as Grant would grow to criticize Bob's song as being too square. Among the biggest disagreements involved whether or not to publish songwriting credits on the album. Mold insisted they should. Hart insisted that they shouldn't. But that sort of conflict would persist for the next several years. But as David Fricke of Rolling Stone once wrote of Zen Arcade, it's the closest that hardcore would ever come to a rock opera, kind of like a thrash quadrophenia. That's a pretty good description. The record is a loud, dark, bracing, and sometimes beautiful record. But despite that fact, that it's been labeled as a hardcore album, the quality of Grant Hart and Bob Mould's songwriting makes it one of the most listable yet blistering albums in punk history. The album was produced by Glenn Lockett, the house engineer and producer for SST Records. In fact, Lockett, known as Spot, had briefly been the bass player for Greg Ginn's band Black Flag. Critically, the album was praised as a classic. And since 1984, it has continually been placed among some of the greatest albums of the time and certainly among the greatest albums of the decade. The album was met with glowing reviews from the UK's NME, the New York Times, the Village Voice, and in Rolling Stone. No singles were released from the record. Instead, the band insisted that the record be appreciated as a whole body of art. And while there would certainly be favorites from the album, SST seriously underestimated the initial demand, only printing 5,000 copies of the album. Once those sold out, it would take months 
for SST to press additional copies. By that point, Husker Du were already recording their follow-up album, 1985's New Day Rising. This time, SST was more prepared for the demand, and New Day Rising would reach number 10 on the UK independent album charts, and Husker Du would quickly become the biggest-selling band on the SST label. The band would record one more album for SST in September of 1985 called Flip Your Wig. It was another critical success and another strong-selling album for SST. But by 1986, Husker Du would outgrow the independent label and instead record their major label debut for Warner Brothers, Candy Apple Grey. Husker Du would release one final album for Warner Brothers, 1987's Warehouse Songs and Stories, before finally breaking up the following year. By then, the tensions had only grown worse, sparked in part by Grant Hart's growing addiction to heroin during that tour for Candy Apple Grey. But addiction was not the only health issue that Grant was dealing with. By then, Grant had also been diagnosed as HIV positive. The arguments would only become more intense, and creative differences were starting to fracture the band, despite their growing popularity, the pressure of which only added fuel to the fire. One notorious argument began when Grant accused Bob of deliberately limiting how many of Grant's songs could be released per album. Grant believed that his output was being restricted to just 45%. Bob has always denied those claims, but Grant insisted that it was true. The band finally broke up following a show in Columbia, Missouri, where Grant, who was now on methadone, was trying to kick his addiction to heroin. Bob, however, was worried that Grant wasn't healthy enough to go on tour as he was trying to beat his addictions. Grant disagreed, but by then, Bob had already canceled the number of upcoming shows, and that would be the last time they would ever play together again. Bob Mould went on to a long career and highly respected one that included 15 solo records, a couple of albums with the band Sugar, and a few records dedicated to electronic dance music. Grant Hart continued his solo career as well, forming the band Nova Mob and releasing a number of exceptional solo records himself. Sadly, Grant Hart died in 2017 at the age of 56 after a long battle with liver cancer and hepatitis. Greg Norton quickly retired from music and became a restaurateur in Minneapolis before rejoining a number of local bands in the early 2000s. The impact of Husker Du and of Zen Arcade is pretty significant. For some, Husker Du was among the handful of bands that bolstered the college alternative rock radio format in the 1980s. They also served as a powerful influence over many of the bands that would define grunge in the early 90s. And while many would argue that each of their records holds merit, it was the 1984 album Zen Arcade that stands alone as their greatest achievement. And honestly, it's very hard to argue with that because the album shreds, inspires, and moves people even more than 38 years later. Hey, thanks for listening to Baxi's Enormous Record Collection. I hope you enjoyed it. Today's podcast, again, brought to you by Canna Provisions in Holyoke and Lee, Massachusetts. Check them out at cannaprovisions.com. If you like the show, feel free to share it, like it, review it, tell all your friends about it. You can reach me at baxatrock102.com. I'd love to hear what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's musical podcast.